Welcome everybody, Jonathan Trowan here. Welcome to another episode of Shared Humanity. Um, this is going to be a, I think, moving episode. Ashley Hill is here. She is doing, she's doing the work. She's doing the work. She's with Magdalena's daughter. Um, Ashley, uh, introduce yourself, introduce Magdalena's daughter. So we all know what's going on. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you, Jonathan, for having me a part of this, um, just to like spread awareness and spread more information about who we are and what we're doing. So I'm Ashley Hale. Um, I'm actually a licensed marriage and family therapist. And um, I started Magdalena's Daughters in 2018. And Magdalena's Daughters is a um, nonprofit 501c3 um, that is working to provide a residential therapeutic program for female foster youth who are victims or at risk of sex trafficking between the ages of 12 and 18. So um, I've had some experience working with foster youth for uh, about five years. And in that position is where I realized there are not enough like, you know, specialized residential programs for our commercially sexually exploited youth. And so that is why I started Magdalena's Daughters. And so how did, how did you originally get into the foster world, the foster care world or all that goes, goes with that? Yeah. Um, so I basically just applied for a position. And so I honestly, I was more um, involved with adults and uh, I really love, enjoy uh, providing therapy to adults. So um, when this position had stumbled across to me, I was just like, okay, let me try it out. Um, and then I fell in love with it. I fell in love with working with foster youth and helping them and advocating for them. And so um, that is how I've been in this like type of position for about five years. Um, I'm currently not in that position anymore, but it's where I've gained a lot of my clinical experience and where I've had, you know, clients who were um, victims of sex trafficking, a part of my caseload. So um, this is where I got to just go head on with, you know, fighting sex trafficking and helping our clients, especially our youth, because they're so vulnerable. So were they, were they in foster care and being trafficked or were they being trafficked and then, and then were somehow rescued and brought into foster care or um, how does that work? So uh, most of our foster youth um, tend to have a history or a background of like abuse. So maybe they come from abusive homes. Um, maybe um, someone sexually violated them at a young age. And so there's many reasons why they can come into a foster care system. It could be because of that, the past abuse. It could be because their parents or caregivers couldn't take care of them. Um, there's actually just a lot of reasons why they can be in the system. And so usually when they get into the system, um, that's when uh, I, I would say there's a lot of exposure to things and, you know, harmful things, because now you're having a lot of kids who reside in the same home and they all have different backgrounds. They all come from different places and have different experiences, but they all teach each other things or once. Uh, so I like to always talk about the recruitment that happens within a group home or foster care 
home, right? So now traffickers are forcing girls within homes to actually recruit other girls within the home. So that's also how they can get into sex trafficking. But it's so normal and it's so common that, you know, uh, our foster youth are getting into uh, sex trafficking just by meeting people, uh, meeting people online. There are a lot of people who just go online and they pray on kids who shown vulnerabilities, right? So um, say a kid doesn't have any family and they're posting things about, uh, I don't have family or Thanksgiving is gonna suck this year or my mom's is being um, such a jerk or whatever the case may be, they will look at those types of vulnerabilities and actually approach these kids to develop a relationship with them. And over time, the kid trusts them and that's when the you know the the turn comes when they're actually being forced into something that it's no kid should ever have to go through yeah it's it's hard even to talk about but it's so it's so important that we talk about it because it's happening and we mm -hmm. can't ignore it so right. since we can't ignore it there we have to have the discussion so that we can help people how would you find out that it's that it's going on? Would would the children um, share it with you, or did you see signs of it and then figure out how to find out? Like, how would yeah. you know? Definitely. So there are a lot of signs of human trafficking, and some of the signs include like um, changes in behavior. So there could be like depression, changes in mood, um, isolating themselves, um, not wanting to do anything, changes in appearance, right? Um, usually uh, traffickers have the youth dressed provocatively, um, so more sexualized like uh, attire. Um, also sexualized behaviors as well. Maybe they weren't um, talking sexually and all of a sudden their vocabulary has changed and now they're saying things that are more provocative. Um, maybe you notice a kid that has more than one cell phone. Like why would one, why would a kid need more than one cell phone, right? And that's usually so the traffickers and pimps can keep in contact with them. Um, also, let's see, what are some other signs? Um, having a lot of money, right? having a lot of cash from nowhere. And you're like, where did you get this money from? Um, another big sign of uh, human trafficking is running away. That is like one of the common big ones that kids do because they're, they're with their traffickers. So they may run away for days at a time. Um, it may take them a very long time to come back home. They may come back on their home on their own or they just may be in the streets very often and you have no idea what they're doing and so running away rates tend to increase right because they're with traffickers and they're forced to be out on the streets so, and very manipulated into the situation and so these are the signs that I could tell uh, amongst my kids my clients who I had um, they would run away a lot you know they were dressing provocatively they had an odor they had a boyfriend who was this mysterious person. I didn't know who he was. And it was just like this guy, all of a sudden they had a boyfriend. Um, I would try to probe around like, how old is this boyfriend? They wouldn't tell me the age. So those are other signs as well. <laughs> so you saw enough of this that it prompted you to start a whole organization, Magdalena's Daughter. What, what was the journey uh, or the impetus to, to start that? Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, so I really saw the system and that's what, you know, I saw this, this piece of it when my clients were struggling with this, but I also saw 
the dynamics. I would be the, I was a clinical therapist who would go into uh, various homes and see what was happening in the homes and how staff and how other kids were responding. Um, and because there are no, in our county at San Bernardino and California, there are no specialized uh, safe homes for this population. And that's what stirred it up in me. And also with my client story, hearing what were happening to them on the streets while they were AWOL or running away, those two things combined actually is what like, you know, called me, you know, I say God has called me to do this. Honestly, God has put it on my heart to actually do this and actually, um, you know, be that voice and be that safe haven for this population because there isn't really a whole lot out there for them. And so it's just, it's, it's sad to know that, you know, they could be in a residential home and because they run away, you know, that's one of the, that's one of usually one of the home's rules is that you can't run away. And because they're under this manipulation and they're running away often, they're also getting kicked out. So now not only are these kids being trafficked, they don't have a real place to call home. They're being bounced around from home to home to home and, you know, being put in situations where, I mean, no one would want to, you know, be in that situation. And so that is what kind of said, okay, I need to do this. I need to be the one to, uh, I see the need, take the lead, right? So be the one to be that voice, be the difference for our county here in San Bernardino. Yeah. And, and what exactly do you provide? So currently, right now, we are actively focusing on three initiatives. And the first one is research. So really, um, I am partnered, we are partnered with Cal State San Bernardino to actually conduct research on how human trafficking is affecting or impacting our foster youth population. Um, and this research would actually be used to guide and inform the program in our actual residential home. So this is a very important first step. I think um, without research, uh, you know, you can have a home, anybody can have a home, but is this home going to be effective? Is it going to actually meet the needs of these kiddos, right? Um, the next thing that we're working on right now is developing educational curriculum. We are all about prevention. Uh, prevention is the best step into, um, you know, stopping human trafficking amongst our youth in our communities. So really developing this educational curriculum to go out into the middle schools and the high schools um, to to make people more aware and to help kiddos and to teach kids about stuff that they may not even know um, is going on. And then our last thing is we're raising funds for our pilot program for our first safe home. So right now we are just spreading awareness, developing educational curriculum and working on conducting research. So if, if someone is in that world and, and someone got a hold of them and they're being trafficked, how do you get them out of it? Because mm -hmm. my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that a lot of them, once they're in it, for whatever reason, are not willing um, to immediately come out of it. Like a part of them yeah. wants to stay in it. So how do you address that? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Um, it is very difficult, right, to say that I'm going to get someone out of human trafficking. Um, very difficult because that individual, unfortunately, has to want that themselves. Right. And they have to understand how they are being a victim of the manipulation and, you know, the trauma bond that forms between the trafficker and the victim. And so um, basically it's about developing relationships, right? Relationships so that these kids or whoever is in human trafficking can trust you. 
they need, you need that trust. Cause right now they thought they had the trust of their pimps or their traffickers or their homegirls and they're exploiting them. Right. Or their family may have, um, um, gotten them into human trafficking. Cause that's very common as well. Family members will, uh, put their own kids into human trafficking. And so it's really important to develop trust and developing that relationship with the kids. Um, so that, you know, you can help influence the types of decisions or positive decisions they should make to get out of that life. But it, it has to do with, are they ready? Are they ready to leave? And then you as a friend or you as a, 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 a colleague or a, a parent or something like that is going to be there no matter what. Are you going to be there no matter what until they are ready? Because we can try to force them to, to get out the life as much as we want, but are we doing harm or are we actually doing some good, right? Are they going to trust us or are they going to think we, we are we are now putting like um, obligations and demands and pressures on them just like their trafficker would, right? So like, how are we being a, a person who they can trust? We're developing that relationship, you know, we're giving them resources as much as we can. And I know it's definitely hard for a parent or a caregiver to see their kids in that life, right? And there's only so much that we can do. We can call on enforcement. We can, you know, try to get them out, you know, ourselves, but you know, they have a way of coming back, right? And, and that manipulation and that trauma bond is so strong, right? Until they're ready to say, oh, this is not, you know, till they hit rock bottom and say, oh, you know, I can't do this anymore. I noticed that he's not, he doesn't really love me. Like he says he does. He's just, you know, doing this for himself, you know? So it's really about first developing that relationship really and being a supportive and consistent person in that person's life to kind of help them get out. So showing them nuggets and stuff to get out of that as well, as long as, as well as giving them resources to, to help themselves as well. So mm -hmm. what, what kind of specific techniques did you use to, to build trust? Cause I, it's all about trust that did, did, did they trust mm -hmm. the person that, that, and our belief is harming them, or can we pull trust away, away so that they trust us? How did you build rapport and trust so that you could help them? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the ways is not judging. I think they're so concerned about people judging them. Um, if you think about like our everyday, if we see like um, someone on the streets or you see um, children dressing provocatively, like imagine what kind of stares are getting from everybody, right? And so one of the things is in a, in a therapeutic relationship, we don't judge, right? We just are there um, to provide that support and to be that consistent like support person in that person's life. Um, also, um, just first, you know, not forcing them to do anything like, you know, just developing that, just just working on the relationship. There is no motive, right? I'm not trying to get you out. You know what I mean? I might talk about like how harmful it is to be on the streets and stuff, but I'm not saying, hey, you need to get out. He's not good for you. This boyfriend is not your boyfriend. I'm not coming at them like that, right? I'm coming at them in a way that I'm showing concern, but I also am coming at them at, at a way that I'm building trust. I'm building this relationship. You're getting to know me. I'm getting to know you. And I'm providing some safe resources as well in case you need them, right? Um, because there's only so much I can do. I can report. I'm a mandated reporter and I can do that. And I will. And they know this, right? 
reviewing those things ahead of time kind of builds trust as well, saying, I'm really concerned about you. Um, I'm really concerned about your safety and what you just disclosed to me. And so, you know, um, because I'm so concerned, like, do you mind calling it in with me? Like, can we make this a collaborative thing that we do together? You know, I, I want to make sure that you're safe. And I think safety is just a priority that and what of the place where I come from. So this is really interesting. That's such an interesting perspective. So the goal isn't to get them out of that life and lifestyle and using trust for that goal. The goal is simply to be kind to them mm -hmm. and through mm -hmm. kindness, build the yeah. trust, which may at some point give them the, the strength to go to you mm -hmm. and come out. Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on their stage of readiness or where they're at, right? Because there's different stages of readiness. You may be, uh, a girl may be in a pre-contemplation pre stage where she's not even thinking about leaving. This is her life, you know, this is my boyfriend. No one can tell me anything differently, right? And there's various stages, like some people are in a stage where they're like, huh, maybe this is a bad thing. Maybe this isn't the healthiest thing. And then some people are in that stage where I'm ready, like, Let's work on a plan. Let's get me out of this, you know? And so it actually just depends on the stage. But I think that building the relationship is important throughout the stages, that you need to have that throughout the stages. And I know that a lot of people, it, it'd be hard to kind of grasp this uh, of a harm reduction approach, right? And harm reduction is not saying... Um, like, hey, you leave the life today, right? You leave, you stop doing what you're doing. Harm reduction approach is saying, are you safe out there? Like, do you know where you can go when you're out there on the streets? And a lot of people would find that difficult to grasp, but that's what they need in that moment. They don't need people, other people telling them what to do, right? Um, because then that's when we're gonna push them further away. So if the goal is that, they, they're, the goal is to get out of that life. Yeah, we definitely have to build that relationship and be a supportive person. Also, you know, comply with whatever legal obligations we have, but also being that supportive person, I think is just huge. It's a huge factor. So Magdalena's daughter is, um, is fairly new, right? So yes. what, what's, your, what's your big vision for this? So 10 years from now, Hopefully we wouldn't need it anymore, but chances <laughs> are we will need it. Yes. Um, so what is, what's your, what's your mission with this? What's your big goal? So the vision is basically to have safe homes nationwide. So in every state and various counties, having these safe homes where girls can rely, uh, reside to actually have consistent caregivers, right? Um, some emotional support, a safety um, enough to actually, you know, heal through that trauma because, you know, what they're experiencing is very traumatic and, you know, there's some outcomes and um, things that happen because of the experience that they've had being in a system, not being with their family, right? Not being with a lot of their supports that me and you may have in our life, like our mom and dad or some friends or whatever, and showing them these healthy uh, relationships. So really our vision is to have multiple safe homes nationwide um, to help kids all over the U.S., so... And are you taking donations? Like, can can we can our, our viewers and listeners donate? How do we how do we help? 
Yes, yes, yes. So if you would like to donate or support in any way, um, you can always go to our website. It's www.magdalenasdaughters.org. Um, you can also visit us on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram um, at Magdalena's underscore underscore daughters. And then on Facebook at Magdalena's Daughters. And so I, I, I'm curious, is, is Magdalena and Magdalena's daughter, is that, is that named after a real human person or what's the name from? Yeah, so a lot of people do ask me this question. I like to share it. Um, it's based on uh, Mary Magdalene from the Bible. So um, if for those who know about who Mary Magdalene was, uh, you know, she was the lady in the Bible who had like seven spirits in her and Jesus casted them out. And she was also viewed as a prostitute. Um, but when uh, Jesus, she um, encountered Jesus, um, she pretty much changed her life and just followed him. So she is one of them, one of the most important women in the Bible besides Mary, um, Jesus' mom, uh, but um, very important in the Bible. And so symbolically saying that, you know, once they are on the correct path, you know, they will, you know, keep moving forward, you know, they may have some things, they may have a lot of trauma, uh, have a lot of poverty, poverty mindset or thinking or um, just a lot of issues that are going on. But once you're, you're, you encounter that good, once you encounter the right path, you know, to keep going, moving on that path. So mm -hmm. is there anything that people like me who are not a part of the system, but, but we know, we know that we know that it exists and it's just mind shatteringly horrible. Um, but we're so removed from it that we don't know how to help. Is there anything we can do or is it, is donating the, the most we can do, or are there things that we can do to help um, stop this human trafficking? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can also just, you know, educate yourself on what human trafficking is and how to see the signs because you may be that person to be able to see someone out in the streets who may need that help. Or you may have a friend um, who's battling with maybe their kid having like some problems. So, you know, um, being informed and aware of what human trafficking is, is the best way to prevent it. So that way you can be that person, you can help somebody, right? You won't be that person who just says, oh, you're, 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 what are you doing? You're, you're doing this with who and what's going on? Oh, you need to stop that right now. You're going to actually be like, okay, let me build this relationship with that person. So that person knows that I'm safe enough and they can trust me, but also getting them those resources. So doing them hand in hand, I'm not saying to just let it all happen and just watch your friend do all those things, but giving them those resources. So being informed about the resources that are in your community, um, educating yourselves, talking with your kids about it. Oh my gosh, that's just so important. And monitoring what they're doing online, especially just because a lot of this is happening online. It's happening in video games. It's happening in chat rooms. It's happening on TikTok, on Instagram, you know, all of these places. And so just being mindful about what's happening in this world and doing your best to like talk to your kids or nephews because boys get trafficked too, um, or nieces, anybody, you know, I yeah. think that's the best way. How do you begin the conversation? What's the best way as a parent or an aunt or uncle? Because uh, it's kind of a taboo subject. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm a dad. So, you know, one, at what age is appropriate? And how do we begin the conversation? Because I think that really is important. 
Yeah. Um, good question. And so, I mean, I've seen and heard of victims as young as 90 years old, right? And so you have to ask yourself, if my child is on social media, if they have their own pages, if, you know, they're in these video games and you have no idea who they're talking to, none whatsoever, that is the best time to talk to them. Because um, if they shouldn't be allowed to be on these platforms, if they can't have this conversation, if they're not mature enough to have a conversation about Hey, have you heard of human trafficking? I guess that's the best way. I think that's the best way to start off. Have you heard about it? Have you heard about it? Do you know what it is? Like, I'm curious. I, I'm wondering if you would like to come with me to this conference. And I've heard like a lot of kids are being affected by this. And I just want to make sure you're safe and you're okay. Um, so that is kind of like the initial way to kind of get a conversation started, right? Um, you know, um, not blaming or shaming or anything with your kids, just kind of asking, hey, have you heard about this, right? Because unfortunately, is what's happening is that, you know, these kids who may have not heard about it are talking to people who are traffickers, who they think are their friends, who they think are their boyfriends or girlfriends or, you know, things like that. And so it's important to like, let them know like, hey, this is out here. Here are the signs. Here's what you should follow, um, watch out for. And if someone is pressuring you to send you a me, send a nude photo or anything, please let me know. I will not be upset with you, even if you did it. I'm not going to be upset with you. I just want to make sure you're safe. So, these are important conversations, folks. I know yeah. that that it, it, it's difficult. Um, you know, even just talking about it here it brings up emotions. It's difficult. These are important conversations. Um, we can't hide hide uh, from it. We can't pretend it doesn't exist. So let's start having these conversations. Uh, Ashley, thank you for being here with me, but thank you for, uh, for doing the work that I personally haven't had the courage to do and many of us haven't had the courage to do. Thank you for stepping up and doing this really important work. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Jonathan. It was such a pleasure to be here to share. Thanks. We'll see everybody next time. And please remember that you are loved.